This is Rivalries, the show where we meet fans from rival clubs. Today I'm joined by Jim Dolan. He's a West Ham fan. He's also the founder of Pride of Irons, who are the club's official LGBT plus supporters group. Jim, it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. I mean, I wish I could be talking about football under better circumstances, but uh, here we are. <laughs> That's pretty much my entire life as an Aston Villa fan. So we're we're in the same boat there, I think, uh, with uh, Villa and West Ham. But so, you know, um, with West Ham, I guess things were looking uh, great last year. You know, Europa League semi-finals, pushing for Europe uh, in, in the Premier League itself. But now you're fighting relegation. So first of all, what, what's going on at West Ham this season? It's hard to know for sure, but it feels to me like it's a combination of things. I think we had a very, um, you know, sort of shallow but tightly knit squad that was overperforming. It was, you know, pushing themselves every single week, you know, going going above and beyond um, and maybe kind of riding off the adrenaline a little bit and off of the, the you know, the cumulative success. Um, but that, that, can, that can only run for so long. And I think we saw that towards the end of last season, because you're right, although we got to a sem- um, the Europa League semi-final, which was great, you notice that the league form really did start to drop off. Mm. So the, the downward trend isn't just, you know, this season thing. You know, it's 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 been going on for, for longer. So um, I think the signs are already there. I think they tried to address it by investing in the squad. But I think what that has shown is actually David Moyes is better with a smaller squad. He's better with a challenge in front of him. He's better at motivating a, a small group of tightly knit players. But once they've reached burnout, you, you can't push that any further. And now we've got these new players and he's just not integrating them for whatever reason, you know, they're not, then they're just not knitting. And he's now started to return to the sort of trusted few from last season, but I don't think that's particularly working well either because Mm -hmm. I guess some of those players' noses are probably put out of joint a little bit about the fact that, you know, we were basically looking to replace them um, or at least sideline them. Um, And, you know, they're not getting any younger either. You know, bringing on... When when your sort of second choice left-back is Aaron Cresswell and he's brilliant, but, you know, he's, what, 30... Is it 32, 33? I don't know, he's he's getting a bit older now. Um, and he's still a fantastic player, but you can't expect him to to be running up and down the wing. And you can you know expect some great dead balls from him, but if he's up you know top, you know taking a free kick and the the ball doesn't fall for us, he's going to have to peg it back. So it's all yeah. I just feel like um, there's a big cumulative effect of you know small squad burnout, trying to bring new players, can't integrate them, and it's just been a bit of a downward spiral since. Right, and you know the last two games you. Uh, you beat Nottingham Forest at home last time 4-0. So I did wonder, is this finally West Ham getting out of this rut they've been in? Then you follow it up a week later by going away to Brighton and also getting battered 4-0. So uh, uh, <laughs> consistently inconsistent there, I think. Um, Aston Villa next, obviously, at home. How do you feel about that game? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of dreading every game at the moment. I mean, I, I was under no illusions with the um, the Forest game because I've never seen a team that bad perf- you know, perform until I saw us play Brighton a week later. Um, so I didn't see it as a turning point. To be honest, I just feel like uh, Moyes hasn't really... He's run out of options and I'm not looking forward to it. It's not even that I fear, you know, Villa. It's that I feel like at the moment we can't beat anyone aside from you know a very 
very poor Forest, who I can't believe aren't at the bottom fight. Well, I suppose they will be now. They'll probably be near the bottom with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at the time they were maybe 12th, 13th. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we're, we're out of clues, out of motivation, out of ideas and tactics. Okay. And, um, you know, with West Ham's form at the moment, who are your key players at present? Good question. Right. I don't know. Wow. I, 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 it's, it's, you know, I, I think, um, okay, it's a bit unfair. I mean, Rice is a great player, um, but you can even tell with him, he's usually the kind of player who's sort of like, you know, sort of clapping his hands and trying to get the, the crowd up. But at the moment, he's, his shoulders are sloped, his head's down. Um, doesn't stop him being a great player, but I think the frustrations are creeping in. Um, Aguerd from, um, you know, the, the Moroccan centre-back we've got is fantastic, but, you know, he can't hold a defence together himself. Um, and up front, I just feel like, aside from sort of Bowen every now and then popping up and, and doing something good, you know, Antonio's lost his form. Um, Skamaka, I don't know what's going on with him. He's yeah, disappeared. It's really hard. I just think everyone's so demotivated. Um, I, I just don't know who, who I'm looking to to raise their game. It's quite amazing because I look at West Ham last season and you, I mean, you've beaten Villa, I think it's six times, five times in a row. You, you seem to have a real hoodoo over us and it feels like you have them for a long time whenever we play away at West Ham. Um, but you kept kind of like physically overpowering us is what I noticed. I think Villa, if you were to criticise them in the last couple of seasons, you say we were quite weak in the middle. That's been rectified somewhat under Unai Emery, though it's still a bit of an issue, I would say. Um, but West Ham, like, Suchek and Rice and Antonio up front, you were just physically... It just felt like we couldn't quite compete at times. Um, and then you got the new signings in Paqueta, I think it was, uh, Skamaka. I mean, what, it's it's such sort of mind-bending to see kind of the form you're in now, really. And, um, you know, players like Paqueta and Skamaka, have they... They just haven't really done anything at present under Moyes. So, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Skamaka's had some injuries, um, but I don't know what's going on there. I know there's this whole thing about his agent dropping him around mm-hmm. trust issues. So I, I honestly don't know if he's another crazy temperamental Italian that we've ended up with. <laughs> um, only time will tell. Right. I think Paqueta had to find his feet a little bit. Um you know, he came from Lyon. I think, you know, it's that typical thing. Player comes from Europe, is used to playing in a certain way, is used to a certain level of protection. Right, <laughs> He's yeah. not going to get here. So he was a bit lightweight. He was throwing himself to the floor a little bit too much. Um, he's been integrated a lot more now. And I'm seeing glimpses of the player that we all thought we were getting. Okay. And it's one of those frustrating ones, you know, where he'll, he'll go to make some cheeky little move, some, you know, just really some really tight through ball that doesn't quite make it. And you're like, okay, you're finding the measure of the league. And when those balls start to slip through, we're all going to be salivating. Yeah, He's getting he's getting better. He's just not quite there yet. But on the physicality, definitely, you know, Antonio is an absolute beast. But what he's lost is his shooting boots, which to be mm. fair, he didn't have for many, many years. And when he found them, we were like, you know, hallelujah. Um <laughs> I think Suchek, the one thing that's changed recently, which I'm quite enjoying, is two seasons ago, Suchek was the one pushing forward and Rice was playing the more defensive holding role. And, you know, he was getting a lot of goals, Suchek. I think last season, you know, Rice's star was rising. and I don't know if there were any sort of um, demands or conversations had behind the scenes, but clearly something had changed because he was coming forward a lot more and... Um, Suchek was staying back and he makes these really amazing marauding runs. You know, it's, you can't put the guy down for it, but purely statistically speaking, 
it's much more effective having Suchek up front. So Moyes has been doing more of that recently and you can see the impact that he's having. And I hope that he sticks with that and we start to you know capitalise on more of um, Suchek's physicality up front. Yeah, he was a bloody pain to, uh, pain to play against uh, Suchek. It just felt, I think he's played against Villa a few times and scored headers at the back post. Just felt like any time I watched West Ham, he'd always... He'd score a header or he'd come close to it. So uh, it's interesting that element has changed. Um, and also Rice, I just think he's an absolutely brilliant player. Um, I've seen a few pundits in the last week, you know, talking about needs more goals, though I don't really think that's his role necessarily. Some say, you know, he should go elsewhere. Uh, how do you feel about Declan Rice as, as a player and um, potentially his future as well? I think he's a fantastic player. Yeah. Um, I think he's one of those where... Every team who gets a good player, especially a good homegrown player, wants to hype them up, and everyone else wants to put you down because they want you. Yeah, you know, they're that. Yeah, you know, you're over. You're over egging it. It's because he's one of your own. I think one of the things about being a West Ham player, possibly sorry, supporter, and possibly you know yourself, a Villa as well, is we we know where we are right in the standing of the world. We're not um, amongst the more sort of delusional fans. So when we say <laughs> that our we have a player who is world class, we're not. It's not hyperbole. You know, he is a fantastic player and such is, you know, his standing amongst West Ham fans. I think we've all pretty much, <laughs> we've all pretty much resigned ourselves to the fact that he's going to go. And that's not this year, right? We resigned ourselves to that fact two years ago, maybe three. Mm. Um, but we knew we had a long contract. We knew we had him for a while. And I don't know what he's on, but I know it's not a huge amount when you compare it to a lot of the players in our squad, let alone across the league. And we have offered him buckets of money to sign an extension and he hasn't taken it. So I think at least we all seem to know that it's not about that. You know, if he leaves, it's probably because he knows he's good and he wants to go on to to do bigger and better things. Um, And it's not just about the paycheck, but yeah, he, he is fantastic. Sadly, he's not going to achieve his potential with us. Um, and any West Ham fan who says, and it says otherwise is, is lying to themselves. Uh, so yeah, I think the inevitable is that he probably will go this summer because I think after this summer, he's got two years left on his contract, that or one year and one year, one year um, option to extend. So there's no point after that, you know, sort of stringing it out really. This sounds very familiar to when Jack Grealish was at Villa. It was the same thing. It was that kind of, People think you've been hyperbolic, but then when I used to watch him even in the championship, I was like, this kid is absolutely unbelievable. Like he just is. Yeah. Like, and lo and behold, you know, he's off to uh, Man City, which I'm still bitter about. Um, but, but you know, I'm getting over it now. Um, but you know, uh, you did sign an Aston Villa player in uh, the January transfer window, Danny Ings, for a 15 million quid. Scored his first two goals against Nottingham Forest recently. What have you made of him? And do you think he should play more? Um, definitely think he should play more. I think one of the things that people have said is he's not as physical as Antonio, but I think it's it's pretty difficult for anyone to be as physical as Antonio. Yeah, yeah, right. But I think what I um, perhaps lazily thought when he came to us was I was expecting more of a poacher um, than, you know, kind of a, a gritty, rough and ready, get stuck in um, centre forward. And I was wrong. And I've been wrong many times, which I love. You know, I was wrong when we signed um, Jesse Lingard. Um, I was wrong. Um, I can't remember. There's a few players where we've been like, no, we don't no, don't need them. And, and I've been completely wrong. And I'm happy when it when it works out. I'm wrong this way. Um, it's great. He's getting stuck in. He's getting stuck in with the build-up play. 
he's not just waiting to be fed service. Um, he looks like he's really trying and he's really up for the fight. And I think that's probably the benefit of bringing him in. You know, like I said earlier, I feel, feel like there's a lot of loss of motivation in our squad. So having someone who's coming in immediately wants to fight immediately, you know, sort of getting stuck in it is really positive. And I, I definitely would like to see more of him. Gutted that obviously he was cup tied for um, the game we had against uh, Man U last week. Um, because I think, you know, with a, a finisher, we might have actually ended up winning that game. We had so many opportunities. We should have been 3-0 three, three up at one point. It was just because Antonio was wasteful in front of goal or just made the wrong decisions that we ended up, you know, with one goal hanging on for ages and the, the inevitable happened, right? And then after that collapse, but I was, we were all saying, you know, we wish Ings could have started. Yeah. Um, you know, well, uh, it was an interesting one at Villa as well. It just felt like him and Watkins never quite were able to balance themselves out as a four in the front line. Um, but, you know, Villa have won uh, four out of five off the top of my head, uh, um, away games under Unai Emery. Um, our away form is much stronger than our home form, most recently beat Everton away. Um, how do you, you know, what do you expect from Villa this weekend? And um, do you, what's your score prediction as well for the game? It's, it's it's hard to even think about it if I'm completely <laughs> honest. Um, what do I expect? I expect that we will do what we've done a lot recently and you know play defensively and and try not to concede, which will end up with us conceding. I think that's. Okay. I, I just feel like we don't we don't go for it enough. I feel like and 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 I, you can kind of see why because when we do break forward. We leave gaps. We are tactically naive at the back. Um, I, uh, I don't want to slag off one of our own, but Ben Johnson has, is not is is not a fallback. Um, he's been found out so many times recently. Um, we're really really weak at the back, and then like I say, that you concede one, and it just all seems to crumble from there. Right. Um, I think for, you know to benefit you guys, you know, like you say, you've got good away form. I think also on your side is that. The fans, the West Ham fans, are really starting to to have enough now. You know, you're hearing the disgruntlement in the stadium. You're hearing sort of the boos and stuff, and it's only going to get worse. So the more pressure that comes on our boys at home, unfortunately, it's that 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 self perpetuating thing of you know we're not helping the players by doing that, and we're probably making it worse. But you can't blame people either for being unhappy. Um, so I, I yeah, I I do expect to be honest. Every game I expect to lose at the moment. See, I do expect that we we will be resoundingly beaten, actually. Okay, well, um, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll try and keep your hopes up. You know, Villa just lost Bubikar Kamara to an injury. Um, he's going to be out for about a month, and um, he's a fantastic centre midfielder. Really, really good signing we've made. Um, and I think that he solved a lot of the issues we had in centre midfield. So without him there, now we're potentially going to have Leander Dendonka or Callum Chambers, who are not really close to his level, to be honest. Um, they're the most likely. A light for light replacement. So I think in centre midfield with Rice and Suchek, if you go that way, we we could be in for a few problems. I think in that zone, um, if if we can't quite fit the Kamara hole, um, and then also you know Villa, we've lost five in a row to West Ham. We haven't beaten you since 2015, when the world was a very different place. So um, does does that give you any more hope at all? I do you know what I just feel like. Um... No, it doesn't because okay. West Ham have got this amazing ability 
um, that, that doesn't benefit benefit us in the slightest. We're really good at break helping other people break records. Right. So off the top of my head, when Torres went to Chelsea and he hadn't scored in I don't know how many matches, and when they played us, we're like, don't worry, West Ham will take care of that for you. And lo and behold, he scored his first goal for Chelsea. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of thing. Whenever there's a a record to be broken that to be broken that doesn't benefit us. <laughs> it tends to it tends to happen. Know the so, feeling. Um, know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't really have much um, much hope. Look, I mean, I'm going to go anyway. Yeah. You can't. You can't give up. There's always got to be a, a tiny shred of hope. But um, I, I'm just not optimistic. Okay. Um, well, you know, uh, well, that's the the Villa West Ham game cover. But you know. You also are a co-founder of Pride of Irons. You know, on this podcast, we've interviewed before uh, Villa and Proud. We're an LGBTQ plus supporters group for Aston Villa. Pride of Irons do the same function, essentially, for West Ham. Um, can you tell me, uh, what motivated you to found Pride of Irons? Um, so it was back in, oh God, how long ago? It was eight or nine years ago now. I can't remember, 2013, 14. Um, essentially, it was just like, a homophobic thing that happened at the game. So I was there with um, my boyfriend, who is now my husband, um, Pete. Hello, Pete. You're not going to watch this, but hello anyway. Uh, <laughs> we were at the game. I had some of my friends with me. And this guy just started, he was obviously drunk, right? And he was shouting some really, I'm not going to say, because I don't know what your, your swearing policy is here, but it was really horrible language. It wasn't just, it wasn't just slurs. It was spiteful it was like you know referring to the AIDS crisis and stuff like that uh, yeah, yeah. um so it's really really nasty and um I didn't I didn't do anything didn't say anything um any other aspect of my life any other place it would have been different but because it was football and it's that thing of if I say anything is is it going to make it worse are other people going to pile on you'd like to think people would be like yeah shut up like but at the time, I it was you know it was years ago. There wasn't really much talk of LGBT issues in football, so um, yeah, I didn't do anything. Sort of kind of looked at my my husband. He looked at me. Clearly, you know, it, it got to us, and it's really weird when when that kind of thing happens. You know, when you're when you're watching football and your your peripheral vision kind of disappears, right? Everything yeah. is is in front of you, and you are completely absorbed. But when something like that happens, it's like a you know snap. You're, you're out you're out of the of the game and you, you can't really ignore it yeah. um my friends who were with me looked a bit awkward as well eventually the guys are saying racist and um people sort of piled on and told to shut up and got stewards involved and and all the rest of it um but it didn't sit right with me that i hadn't done anything um so yeah i mean it kind of started from there then i sort of reached out on twitter said any, anyone else kind of feel like we need some kind of group and then it just yeah just started with you know 10 people maybe 10 15 people and now i think we've got over 400 members so it's 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 been a journey you know we've gone from a place of uh it started in a bad place of a bad incident but actually now we're really heavily involved in the club's um equality diversity inclusion work um you know we we sort of attend sort of pride events and stuff each year we've got a supportive community for our members and also we've been doing things like working with Kick It Out on a restorative justice education program. So yeah. where people have been convicted of homophobic abuse at football and they have banning orders 
we will sit down with them and kick it out and kind of talk through stuff. It's not like a judgy, preachy, trying to make people feel bad kind of thing. It's more, look, let's have a conversation between us as football fans and see how we feel at the end of it. And it's been sort of yielding really positive results. So, yeah, to go from something that was uh, one horrible event to, you know, hopefully making a difference in the wider game, it's um, it's definitely been a, yeah, a, a bit of a journey. Yeah, it's nice to hear that it's, you know, had such a positive impact ultimately, you know, and gives people a space to, you know, be open and express themselves, I guess, at football matches. Um, so, you know, if people want to take part in Pride of Irons or join it, uh, where can they find you online? Uh, if you, yeah, Google us. Uh, we're at, at Pride of Irons on Twitter and at Pride of Irons LGBT, I think, on Instagram for some reason. But yeah, you can find us on all the social media sites. But yeah, we're a friendly bunch. You know, it's not, it's not a... A gays only club i think it's one of the things that people don't um sometimes realize is yeah there's people from all over our community um we've got you know there's a lot of gay men obviously because football men's the men's game does have a lot of you know you look at the the, the participation in stadiums it is predominantly men yeah. but you know 25 percent of our mem- members are female we've got you know lesbians bisexual people trans people but also 25 percent of our membership is um straight cis allies so you know we're a really inclusive brunch the only criteria really is that you know you support west ham and you want other people to support west ham without um you know feeling uncomfortable or experiencing anything you know any hatred around their identity that's about it brilliant well i wish all the best to pride of irons and uh, i also wish the best to west ham this season uh, though not this weekend of course uh, of course. I, <laughs> I do wish you well jim it was absolutely lovely to meet you fascinating chat and um, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, take care. Come on, you irons. <laughs> <laughs>